What is going on, everybody? Hope you are doing well. This is the Was It Good Enough Movie Review Podcast, and welcome back. Thank you for listening to another episode. In this episode, we are actually going to talk about two movies, one of which I saw in theaters and one of which I watched at home, and then we will do a classic movie review. But before we get to that, I do want to mention, and this is a book, so it's a little outside of the realm of this podcast, but it is a very special book. It is called The Sopranos Sessions, and it's a book that basically is about all the Sopranos seasons. It has a conversation with David Chase, the creator, and it is magical. There is a breakdown of every episode from every season. So basically each chapter or section just goes season one, episode one, season one, episode two, and so on. And it is something else. Obviously, if you are not a big fan of like the detail of shots and learning what they were trying to do and all that, it might be somewhat boring. But The Sopranos is far and away my favorite TV show of all time. I strongly think that it is the greatest television show of all time. And we owe all the other great shows that followed after and what some people call the golden age of television. They pretty much owe something to The Sopranos. It really altered what people thought you could show in TV and and basically non-movie settings. And it actually got me thinking, at some point I'm going to do a top five favorite TV shows. I I know it takes a little bit of the fun out of knowing my favorite, but uh, the other four will be fun just because there's a few shows that I hold in pretty high esteem and it would be nice to kind of put a list together for that. So I'll probably do that sometime over the coming weeks. But the book is called The Sopranos Sessions. If you're a fan, you should check it out. I'll put a link in the show notes. I think it was about $20 on Amazon, so it's not too bad. But there's also a whole section I have not gotten to yet because I'm only about 50 pages in where they talk to David Chase, and he obviously goes into the notorious ending. I'm actually curious to see what he says, but I'm not like aching to get there because I was totally okay with the ending. I know it's been something controversial over the years that people still debate Yeah, so I thought I'd mention that. If you're a fan of uh, that at all, you should definitely check it out. The link will be in the show notes. But let's get to the first movie I reviewed, and that is Cold Pursuit. I'm very honored to be named Kehoe Citizen of the Year. I'm just a guy who keeps a strip of civilization open. When you drive the same road day after day, it's easy to think about the road not taken. I was lucky. I picked a good road early, and I stayed on it. Mr. Coxman? What can I do for you? It's about your son. This is about a snowplow driver who gets revenge on drug dealers who murdered his son. It's based on a Norwegian film from 2014 called An Order of Disappearance. There's also a Norwegian word for it, but I can't pronounce it, so I did not bother putting it in the notes. It's directed by Hans Peter Moland. It's the same director from the original, and you can definitely tell in all the right ways. Now, I'll probably say this a couple of times because I was so surprised, but I had no desire to see this movie. I'm a fan of the original. I don't really like a lot of what Liam Neeson is doing with this point in his career. The last movie I saw him in recently that I loved was Walk Among the Tombstones, and even that was like, I think, five or six years ago, maybe longer. I like Liam Neeson. He's been in some classic movies like Gangs of New York is one of my favorite Liam Neeson performances. But ever since he's turned into this kind of 
action star. It's just been really bad. Like, I don't like any of the Takens nonstop and so on. Pretty much any cheesy action setup you can think of, put Liam Neeson in it, and that's pretty much how things are going. But I didn't want to see this movie. But I will tell you, I was surprised. I was absolutely blown away. And we'll get to that after we talk about it a little more. But yeah, I was really surprised. But obviously it stars Liam Neeson, uh, Laura Dern, and Tom Bateman. Liam Neeson was really good. I thought he played the part well. Because this was not your traditional, I have a special set of skills or I'm an action star kind of role. It was uh, a departure from that. So that was very pleasant. I thought he did a solid job. Laura Dern was all right, but she didn't do much. So it's really hard to say how she did. And I won't go into spoilers, but I mean, she just wasn't in the movie that much. Tom Bateman was the highlight of the film. He was so good as the bad guy. His name was Viking. He brought a lot of fun and energy. And there were just some really nice, tense scenes with him. And overall, I thought his character was just awesome. He nailed it. Tom Jackson as White Bull also did a great job with his part. I like Tom Jackson in general, but he was really good as that role. Uh, William Forsythe, always fun to see in small roles. He pops up in a lot of movies, and uh, I was glad to see him. Julia Jones was also a pleasant face to see. She was really good in Wind River, and I felt she was underused in this film, just like I felt she was underused in Wind River. Wind River. But yeah, that, that was a solid movie that I thought she could have been in a little more. And this movie, she she had more to work with, but I would have liked to have seen a little more. But we'll get to that when I get to some of the negatives. Emmy Rossum and John Doman as the cops. And all of you Wire fans out there should be very familiar with John Doman. And uh, he had some solid scenes with Emmy Rossum. Or Rossum, I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, I liked the back and forth between them. They had some fun lines, and they didn't do much, but it was still it was still fun. The son of the drug dealer did a solid job. I think he was like 10 or 11, but he played the part so well. There were certain scenes with him that felt like really thoughtful, and I felt they brought a lot of heart. And as I said before, I had very low expectations, but the movie was it really surprised me. The directing was on point. He brought a great style. Obviously, stylistically, we knew what he was capable of from other movies he's done, mainly in order of disappearance. But he really did a lot with this. He definitely chose a really good style to mimic because I felt this had Coen Brothers written all over it. It really felt like I was watching a Fargo-like story unfold. It reminded me bits and pieces of Fargo the movie. It also greatly reminded me of Fargo the TV show, which is produced by the Coens, but they don't they don't do anything else on it. But it really did feel, a, feel like a feature-length Fargo episode. So that was another reason it really worked. All the little quirks that are in those movies and what they do for the story. There was a subplot that really threw something interesting into the story. And I really liked it. I won't do any spoilers, but there were a couple of subplots that I really liked. And I loved the third act. And I thought things really clicked well in it. I, didn't, I thought it was going to fall apart in the third act, but they carried it well. There were a few negatives, but for the most part, it was a solid movie. I saw they put this in the drama thriller genre. That is not true at all. This was a dark comedy through and through. They managed to put a lot of humor in some very dark situations. So I know that some people may not be able to find humor and violence and death and all that, but it, there was. That's what movies like this do. There's like a satirical layer to it 
to where you're not necessarily laughing at death or someone getting shot in the face, but it does something. It brings some comedy. There's always, in situations like in these movies, comedy and tragedy. So I felt they balanced it really well. I also felt uh, some shades of Tarantino and even some Guy Ritchie. I mean, the good part of Guy Ritchie, not the rest of Guy Ritchie. And if you've seen a lot of his movies, you'll know what I mean. But uh, let's talk about a few of the flaws. I felt both marriages were a bit ignored. From the trailer, you obviously see Liam Neeson and Laura Dern. I felt like there was more to explore there. Also, this isn't spoilers. From the trailer, you see his son gets killed. That's kind of the whole plot mover. And they kind of fall apart after that. There's not much there. And I understand they didn't have a lot of time to do it, but I feel like they could have put more in it to kind of pull us in that. There was this one really good scene that I thought worked, but that was it. After he died, I should say. I feel like we could have gotten more personal and dove a little deeper if they had just tried a little bit on that. The other marriage, I don't want to give any spoilers on, but you'll see when you watch the movie. I really would have liked a little more. What we got was enough to show us. I just felt like sometimes we were shown the wrong part of the relationship. Some scenes were a little hammy, and mostly I didn't mind it, but sometimes it didn't work. Certain scenes also had a big suspension of disbelief that almost took me out of the movie. I don't, I won't go into detail, but yeah, some of it's spoiler territory, but it was just, some of it was annoying. But I mean, like I said, I loved it. I mean, I'm not sure if it was that good or if my expectations were so low, it made everything be better. But either way, I walked out of the theater really pleased with it, thoroughly enjoyed it. I highly recommend it. Uh, I'll give it three stars. Watch the original if you haven't, but this one's worth watching in theaters. The next movie, I watched at home, and I wasn't sure if I was going to review it or not, but I thought, why not? And that movie is Alpha. It is set in the last Ice Age. A boy is injured and assumed dead on his first hunt, and he fights to survive along with a wolf that he injured, but he doesn't let it die, and he doesn't finish it off. It was directed by Albert Hughes, which I thought was a little strange. Because he is half of the Hughes brothers, which have directed some great movies that I really like, which is Menace to Society and Book of Eli. And this felt like a major change of pace. And honestly, I had no want to watch this when it was in theaters. I never even thought about it. I didn't plan on watching it when it came out on VOD. But a podcast that I listened to highly recommended it. So I figured I would check it out. And uh, yeah, that's the main reason I watched it. Otherwise, I would not have. But it stars uh, Cody Smith McPhee, also has Johannes Hakur, I hope I said that right, and Leonore Varela, among a few other people. But mainly it was it was just Cody Smith McPhee. And um, at its core, at its core, I should say, it is a boy and his dog kind of movie. But it's just layered a bit more. And I don't mean that in a negative way. It had a strong message of friendship and family and resilience. And for the most part, it was beautiful. The CGI was noticeably bad in some parts, but mainly it looked good. And that is very surprising because when you watch a movie that is this CGI heavy, it normally looks very weak and often. But this was not like that. It was absolutely visually stunning in some parts. Like it was a beautifully shot movie. I really did like that. I I liked what I saw like 90% of the movie. I mean, I don't really know a lot about like Ice Ages, so I have no idea how accurate any of it was, but to me that doesn't really matter. So I have no idea if the animals they were hunting really lived in that 
era or like or that time period i don't really know but like i said it feels more or less irrelevant when you're just watching the movie and seeing these characters and i mean it worked for the most part but it was an enjoyable movie with a pleasant message and obviously like most normal people i love dogs and even though this was a wolf i liked that part of the story i liked their journey and i liked the lead up I just really like how they did a lot of it. It made you feel desperate at times and it made you really feel for the character and you were wanting this kid to make it home. You were wanting this wolf and this kid to become friends and it just really was a great tale of resiliency because he could have just given up and died in the cold but it really did a great job of of pushing you in that super desperate situation. So it's worth watching. It's on VOD. It's probably like three or four bucks maybe in Redbox too. Yeah, like I said, I can't say I loved it. I watched it because of the podcast. I like those guys and they highly recommended it. So I figured I'd give it a shot. I'll give it two and a half stars. If you like Call of the Wild or other movies that fit in that kind of scope, then you will like this movie most likely. So, And for the classic movie review, we will be talking about The Godfather. So this movie is pretty well known and is highly regarded as one of the greatest movies of all time. I know some people prefer the second one. I prefer the first one. I love both of them. I actually love all three. But um, I wanted to talk about the first one just because it's a classic movie that I love. I feel like everyone who is a fan of cinema should watch this movie. I'm just going to talk about a few things I like. Because there's nothing that can be said about this movie that hasn't already been said, considering it's been out for, I think, going on 50 years. Just so everybody's on the same page. It's about the aging of the head of a crime family, and he passes control to his reluctant son. It's based on a book. It really shows the immigrant dream to family business type thing, albeit nothing legal, but it's a dream nonetheless. It's directed by the great Francis Ford Coppola. It stars Marlon Brando, Al Pacino, James Caan, Robert Duvall, Diane Keaton, and many other memorable performances. But if I go into all of it, this would be a really long episode. This movie was really something else when it came out. I mean, it it could have easily been a run-of-the-mill mafia movie, but instead it did something so special that still holds up over 40 years later. And that says a lot, especially when you look at the amount of mafia movies that are out. When you look at the amount of movies in general that involve organized crime, it is an incredibly crowded market. But this movie does something that just holds up. It is just a special viewing experience no matter how many times you've seen it. Because every time I watch it, it's something else that I get from it. Marlon Brando did something that was so different with that role. It was just truly unique. I actually have a really awesome book about The Godfather that goes over all three and goes about behind the scenes and all this. And there were certain parts where he put grapes in his mouth to where it kind of muffled his speech and did something authentic and different. 
And it really worked because anytime you talk about The Godfather with anyone who even knows a little bit about movies or the movie in general, even if they haven't seen it and they've only seen clips on like TNT or wherever this plays at, you know, on Saturday nights, I don't really have, I don't have cable, but I know it used to come on TV regularly. The first thing people think of is Marlon Brando's face. That's just this movie. So obviously what he did work considering the powerhouse cast that he was already working with. Brando just brought something special to it. James Caan as Sonny is by far my favorite character in the whole trilogy. And yes, I did say trilogy. I know some people prefer to only view this as two movies, but Godfather 3 existed and I actually liked it. It was weaker, obviously, significantly weaker than its predecessors, but it was still a solid movie that had a lot of weaknesses. But yeah, there's no reason to ignore it. James Caan's brashness and the way he carried himself just made for every scene with him to be tense and unpredictable. I just really liked the way he presented himself. He had such a phenomenal screen presence. Obviously, the most memorable of which is him beating up his brother-in-law. It starts in the house and it goes in the kitchen and or it goes in the outside, I should say. And there's kids playing in the street and he gets a garbage can and a lid. And it is just such a brutal scene and it really shows you like the untamed anger that his character had. Once you're introduced to him and you see how unpredictable he is, that's when you know this is the guy to watch out for because you never know when he's going to basically pop off. Robert Duvall as the family consigliere is good. He was just so good. He's good in everything, but this really raised the bar because obviously we can look back on anyone's career, Pacino, James Caan, Duvall, Diane Keaton, any of the people in this movie, but you can look back now because we have hindsight. So, you know, it's over 40 years, but when you look at just this movie, like they all had to carve out what they were going to do because it was made in 1972. So Duvall was just really good as a guy who was surrounded by Italians and somewhat a form of an outcast almost. So he really held his on and held his own. And I thought he was phenomenal. And, uh, I mean, he was surrounded by a great cast and a powerful screenplay, so when you can look at him and what he was able to do, it's obviously special. Diane Keaton as Kay Adams was something else. And she did a really great job. And I loved a lot of her scenes with Pacino. I loved their, the way their relationship developed. And speaking of Pacino, kind of saving the best for last because James Caan is my favorite in the trilogy. But Pacino is by far, he, he was, like I said, there's nothing I can say about this movie that hasn't already been said. He was masterclass. We can look back at his career, like if we single him out, he has, until like the last 10 or 15 years, he had a flawless career with some of the greatest performances we've ever seen on camera. And when you look back in 1972, that wasn't the case. So when you think about the fact that he was still proving himself as an actor, all of this really just came together. The emotion he was able to bring, we were able to watch his character transform and it just really shows you it was something magical. And this movie was just slammed with amazing performances. When you look at Pacino, most likely, more often than not, he is going to be the person who's like, yeah, I remember Brando, but Pacino was just, he was magical. And Pacino has just a special ability to do things on screen with his voice and his body language that very few people can do. I'm a huge Pacino fan. One of my favorite things he can do is with his voice. And he can just go from like being quiet and almost whispering to just raising his voice in this super powerful way that's not even like comical, 
Like one of my favorite performances from him is Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, and he does a great job in that movie of doing a lot of these things that only he can do with his speech and his mannerisms. And that's why he's a very special actor. The directing was great as well. Like obviously we cannot avoid talking about that. The execution of Sonny was so well shot and it really pulled you into the movie. The office scene with Brando where he utters the often mimicked line of making an offer he can't refuse was so subtly shot. The cinematography was absolutely gorgeous, especially when we get to Italy. The infamous diner scene that for the time was so brutal and graphic was so well shot. And it just basically, that scene also did a great job of really showing you the continued transformation of Michael. And yeah, I don't know. That's, there's so many good things in this movie. And I understand when people look back on it, like you're like, well, a three hour, like long epic of a a crime family may not be the best way to spend a Saturday night. So I'm not saying it's a movie you should rewatch every few months because there are certain movies I love that I can rewatch every week, really. But The Godfather is very special in terms of, yeah, put it on once a year or so, once every couple of years and just appreciate it for what it is, because it's just it's that kind of movie. It's basically a perfect movie. It was very much so ahead of its time. It really set a tone for future gangster movies in general. And I will admit I'm biased. I love gangster movies. I grew up watching Casino and Goodfellas, all the Godfathers. I'm just a fan. Uh, The Untouchables, all of those movies. So uh, like I said, I'm biased. But either way, if you're a movie fan and you haven't watched this, you definitely should. Uh, I strongly suggest you watch the trilogy. Don't let anybody talking about the third one like make you not want to watch it or not looking forward to it. It is worth watching, but it, yeah, obviously it's not as good as the first two. But I give this one five stars. And guys, that'll do it. I know it took me a lot longer to get out my another another classic review. I, I want to do one every few weeks. Uh, I think this one was a little longer than that. So anyway, I'm, uh, I will get another episode out probably this weekend because I want to go see Alita Battle Angel because I'm looking forward to that. So I'll post a review once I've seen it and I may go see something else. It just depends. But either way, guys, thanks for listening. Have a great weekend and I will talk to you in a few days. Have a good one. <laughs>